Great to have you with us this morning. It has been good to join a few of you from Anthem on Saturday nights as well as here on Sunday morning. It's almost like we've got two communities going on, but we love it. We love getting together on Saturday nights at the hotel for Anthem outside, outside uh, live in the courtyard. And we had a great time together tonight sharing some of this same content there last night as we are here this morning. We've been talking through uh, the book of Jonah. And the book of Jonah is kind of a, a, a prophet, is a prophet in the Old Testament who has an incredible story that has so much to teach us right now. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but uh, as a parent, We've experienced that thing where you lose a kid in the mall, and when, you, when, you, when your kids are little, one of them goes running, and, you, and they take off, and you think you're just looking at some clothes, and you look around, all of a sudden, your kid's gone. The most horrifying moment to, as a parent of young children to uh, lose one of your children at the mall for a period of time and to rush around or call security or whatever you need to do to find them. Uh, we've experienced that. We had another experience that was even more harrowing where we were at a, at a wedding and our eldest daughter, who was one of the flower girls, she was just one and a half years old, um, she fell face down in a, a pond and um, rather than splash around or anything like that, she just held her breath and was just kind of spread eagle on the pond like this until uh, my father-in-law noticed that she was missing and looked around and saw her completely motionless lying on the floor of the pond, on the top of the pond, and pulled her out, and she was coughing, but she was absolutely fine. Um, you've experienced that moment of fear if you're a parent where you're rushing to grab a kid from an almost loss. You know what it's like to be on the hunt for someone or to pursue somebody. I believe that God is on the hunt for a relationship with people, with everyone. And He is looking for ways to, uh, to pursue us and to have relationship with us. He's always offering us more chances to respond to Him as He hunts us down and as He looks for a relationship with us. And that's kind of part of what the book of Jonah is about. It's not just about this, this whale. And we've said this is Jonah, not about the whale, right? Because we get this in our minds early on as children sometimes, or when we first hear about this character named Jonah, that this is a story about a whale. But it's really not. It's about the mercy of God. And it's about the, the, uh, the posture that God takes towards a, having a relationship with people and wanting to find people for a relationship with Him. You know, Jonah ran from God, ran away from God over and over again. Um, and I break the book down into four parts because there's four chapters. So like you can see right here, the first chapter is God speaking to Jonah. Um, the second chapter is Jonah speaking to God. The third part of this book, and we're going to talk about this today, is God speaking through Jonah. And that's just a, an amazing thing to look at. So we're going to look about that in a few minutes. And then the fourth chapter is God and Jonah speak to one another or have a conversation with one another. And this powerful four-chapter description of Jonah the prophet's life and experience in not following God and following God and then getting mad with God has got incredible stuff to teach us for our lives today. So today we're going to talk about this idea of God speaking through Jonah. And I want to ask you this question, how, is, how does God speak through you? Some of you think, God doesn't speak through me at all. But I believe, I want you to, to understand, I believe by the end of today, I can convince you that God can speak through you and God can use your life as a, as a, as a way to speak to this world. It's, it's almost asking the question, what, what is the mission that God has put in your heart to bring to the world? 
Hopefully there's some aspect of our lives which we see as being on mission for God. That, that it's so, so coming from Him and it's an outflow from Him into the world that we're, that we're living in. Maybe you see your career, your job as part of your mission to deliver goods and services or to serve the world in some way that you're not just doing it for a paycheck. You're doing it because you're serving Christ and it comes out of your service um, uh, to God. Maybe, maybe you've got to let somebody go this week and you're in a situation where you've got to fire somebody because of the, the pandemic or the, the economic situation. And maybe you could do that as a follower of Christ, giving as much love and grace and tenderness in the situation as would only come from your relationship with God. Or you can do it as a hard-nosed employee and just somebody, send somebody packing. We can, we can uh, adjust our lives so that we are actually fulfilling God's mission in the world rather than just, just doing a job or just raising children or just living in a neighborhood. But we can adjust our lives so that God's work gets done through us. And I love it when I see people use their family or their, their employment or their social interactions or their social media interactions with people as a means to fulfill God's mission. And I want you to see a little bit about how Jonah does that and res- responds to the chance and the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance that God gives him in order to do that in the world. Uh, we'll, we'll start by reading Jonah chapter 3. And it says at the beginning, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Right at the very beginning of this book, Jonah had run from God. God had told him to go to, to, to Nineveh. And Jonah decides to go to Tarshish, which is about 3,000 miles in the opposite direction. But finally, the word, of the, God's, the word of the Lord's coming to Jonah a second time, and he's being given that opportunity, as I believe we're all being given that opportunity. Will you serve God? Will you allow God to fill you and then lead the world? And he's being given that opportunity to fulfill God's mission. I wonder if you've ever felt like, I have blown it. There is no chance for me to have a second chance. I've messed up too much. I've failed God. I've failed my family. I've failed the people around, around me. I want to, in a few minutes, I want to show you a story of somebody in our community here at Anthem who has experienced God giving them a second chance and a third and fourth chance in a, in a miraculous way. And I don't want you to miss it. But this wasn't Jonah's second chance, really. You know, Jonah had uh, ran from God. He'd gone to a, a port instead of going to Nineveh. He'd bought a ticket to Spain. He'd, he'd been sleeping when everybody was upstairs having a prayer meeting. He, every, at every opportunity, he was rejecting God, rejecting God. And then finally, this verse 1 of chapter 3, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And God said this. He said, go to Nineveh. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. It says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. This is a, now, a huge city. Nineveh was a city at the time of at least 120,000 people. And it would have taken three days to go through that city and preach God's word to all those people. Uh, it says in verse 4, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's Jonah's sermon, basically, to this rebellious city that God previously said, like, I've, I've had enough with this city. And, and Jonah's coming to them, and basically, he's, he's letting them know that you have no more chances. 
You have no more hope. And in fact, in 40 days, this city is going to be wiped off the face of the earth. God is done with you. It's the shortest sermon ever. You know, in the Hebrew language, that, that phrase, uh, in 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown, is, is a five-word sermon. Five words. That's all it was. It might, be, it might be very tweetable and very easy to communicate and short, but it didn't seem like Jonah was that committed. He was, he was uh, that involved in these people's lives. He didn't really care about them. That didn't sound like a wholehearted message to me. Just five words from a reluctant prophet. Five words from a reluctant, slightly nervous, lethargic follower of God. Could God even use that? Is that even something that God can make use of? Fortunately, I believe that God is always the God of second chances. And He gives us a second chance to follow Him. So where in your life, where in my life can we decide I will respond to the second chance that God gives me and I will live out the mission of God with everything I've got. Not just with with a five-word sermon, but with everything I've got, I will live out the mission of God. The incredible result of Jonah, the second chance prophet, going to the city that God had called him to and even offering the smallest sermon to this people resulted in verse 5, The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Now, you're probably thinking, like, what's sackcloth? Like, well, in in these uh, ancient times, when people were uh, showing signs of their contrite heart and their repentance and their decision to mourn a situation, as in mourning their own lifestyle before this time, the tradition was to put on sackcloth, to wear sackcloth. So think of like the worst garbage bag you could imagine, and to, you know something that's been full of rotted food on through this uh, these last couple of weeks here in the Boston area. You know, with with rotted food in it, with all the bugs and everything. To to wear that, it was a sign of their mourning, and it was a sign of their contrition and repentance um, when they're turning away from their previous lives and turning towards God. So everybody was wearing sackcloth. Like we we do this in. Uh, with external symbols that uh, point to an internal change even now. When somebody makes a decision to follow God, and maybe this is you, and maybe you haven't done this yet, but we would love to do, do this with you. Uh, when somebody makes a decision to follow God, very often, soon after, they are baptized. And uh, at Anthem Church, we baptize people. Anybody who says, I want to follow Jesus Christ, we're, we're always ready to say, let's, let's make that Let's, let's baptize you because um, that was the external symbol of an internal change. And even, on the, even in the New Testament, uh, people said to Peter, the apostle, they said, what should we do to be saved? And he would say, repent and be baptized. He'd basically say, let something change on the inside and then show it on the outside. And then this, uh, this sackcloth was exactly the same thing. It was an outward symbol of an inward change. All of the whole community put on sackcloth. And then it just continues in verse 6. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal clothes, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This entire city, including the king of Nineveh, repented of their lives in the hope that God might listen to them. Incredible. Like, to get a king to, to stand out of his royal throne... I mean, that was a, that was a big feat. Like, the, a king is used to being in his throne. It proves, 
you know, who they are. I don't want to leave my chair when I'm watching TV at night. That's, that's why I had children, you know? Like, that's why we have people around us called kids so they can go pick stuff up for us. Hey, get, hand me that remote. Get me a drink from the fridge, you know? That's why they're there. But, but this, uh, this king gets up from his royal throne, and he puts on sackcloth, and he proclaims uh, this, uh, this decree, verse 7. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered in sackcloth. Let everyone urgently call on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. This is probably the most extreme description of anywhere in the Bible you have of a group of people saying, all right, God, this is on us now. We're the people that are going to turn around from our wicked ways and change. It even includes the animals, which is just bizarre, isn't it, and hard to believe. But let people and animals not eat anything. They are going to fast. They're going to let God know we are serious about change in our lives, and we are responding to this second chance opportunity that we have. And in verse 9, it says, they, they, they did it because of this thought, who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. They, they made this choice based on a who knows. Maybe God will be willing to forgive us. And then the turnaround verse, verse 10, where, where God miraculously saves these people is verse 10. And it says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil, evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. So this book isn't about Jonah. It's not about a whale, a fish. It's not about anything like that. The big news here is that the slightest commitment on Jonah's part, this reluctant follower of God, to bringing the mission of God to the place where God's called him to be on mission for him, resulted in the most incredible citywide revival that has ever been known on the history of planet Earth. Amazing, 120,000 people that turned to God based on a who knows, maybe God will help us. And I love that verse. When God saw that what they did and they turned, he relented and didn't bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. God's posture is to want to uh, relent from his, his, uh, his previous plan to, to overthrow the city and to forgive them because of, their, because of their choice to respond to God's second chance opportunity. You know, you, you and I all use GPSs in our car when we drive anywhere that we don't know. And sometimes when we do, just to avoid traffic. But um, remember those older GPS, the Garmin ones that would, you would stick up on your windshield? And at every time you made a wrong turn, you'd hear this phrase, one phrase, recalculating, recalculating. Some of us lived with that thing telling us that it was recalculating because of our bad driving. Um, but the, the, the old garments used to say recalculating over and over again. And I think it's, for me, it's a reminder that, that God is always willing to take us from where we're at and start to allow us to, to forge a new path ahead from that point because He's willing to forgive us. And God knows so well that we are prone to going the wrong direction. And yet he's willing to take us where we are at and to work with people who will respond to God's second chance opportunities.
So the story in chapter 3 of Jonah is much less about Jonah and much more about the repentance of an entire city and that God is willing to respond to people who will turn from their sin and turn towards him. And he does it immediately. God can turn an entire city back to him in a day or in two or three days as this, this one describes. A total revival. God gives every reluctant believer like Jonah and like Nineveh, another chance to follow him in ways that we had never done before. I don't know if you're watching this today and you might be thinking, well, you know, I'm not even sure that I've ever gone all out and said, I want to give everything to serving God. And I want to encourage you, whether you feel like you are a mess or whether you feel like, I've sort of got my stuff together and life's pretty good and i kind of got this wall up around me and nobody really knows who I am. Whichever side of that you fall on, I want to let you know that right now is a time for second chances with God. It might not last forever, but today you have that opportunity to say, I want to use this chance God has given me to give everything I have to Him. I want, to have, uh, I want us to play a story right now that we videoed uh, just a few days ago, and it's a story of my friend Steve, a good friend of ours in our Anthem community, who has experienced this, this uh, second chance opportunity to follow God in a very unique way. Watch this. So I had no reason or circumstance in my life to become an alcoholic. Um, I come from an extremely loving family, church every Sunday, Sunday school every Sunday. You know, um, as I got older, very involved in the martial arts and teaching martial arts, discipline and um, self-control and all these things. You know, I'd probably be the last person that you would ever look at and think would uh, end up having the life that I did for many years. At around 17 years old, I uh, started drinking with my friends on the weekends and, you know, alcohol affected my body a lot differently than it did everyone else I saw. I was unable to stop drinking once I started and it progressively got worse and worse and worse and I started entering treatment center after treatment center and stay sober for you know, a couple months, and then I would, something always drove me back to drinking again. So in June of 2010, I went back out to California um, for the third time, I think it was, um, to seek treatment again. And I went into this treatment center, and I stayed sober just under six months. And then another night happened, and I went out to dinner with a friend, and I knew that I shouldn't order a drink. Um, And uh, it came out of me, I ordered a beer. Uh, It was was a light beer. (laughs) And uh, I drank it, and I drank another one, and I got drunk. And I ended up on the streets for 15 months after that, homeless, panhandling in front of McDonald's. Um, Just drinking was keeping me alive. (laughs) I went to county jail nine times in those 15 months. And finally, on February 11th, 2012, I went to jail one last time and I got in my jail cell and I was just completely broken. I was 153 pounds soaking wet and um, 
for the first time, I just hit my knees and I just reached out, God, please help me. And I knew that that was the, the one person that I could go to that had total unconditional love for me. And I've been sober since that day. I was like the prodigal son, <laughs> you know, I drifted off from him. And the whole time he had me right in the palm of his hand, just waiting for me to turn to him. I called a friend that owned one of the treatment centers that I've been in in the past. And uh, he took me in and I said, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And I stayed there for a year. I was so scared of drinking, I, I didn't want to leave. And then after a year, I got a little apartment two blocks away, <laughs> you know, to be close. And I, he hired me as a maintenance man. And um, I started connecting with the Crossing Church in Newport Beach. That's where I met my wife, Floor. And um, God just started blessing me with li little things, you know, one after the other as I started serving Him more. He's blessed me with a beautiful family, a business, um, wonderful friends in my life, you know, and this is the work that he's done. I, I didn't do this. This is all God's work. And now it's for me to serve him. I certainly fall short of being the perfect father and husband, but the more I'm with my church community and the amazing friends that God has put in my life, and the more I serve him, um, the better I am. <laughs> if Jesus could change my life to a complete 180, I know he can do it for anybody. I'm no more special than anybody, anybody, you know. And if we give our life to him, I know he will do great things. He's proven that to me. Incredible story. I'm always slightly speechless after I hear that because it points really to one person. It doesn't point to Steve or it, it points to Jesus Christ. It's a story that points to God's grace and his willingness to forgive and invite us to join him on his mission to the world. And uh, I, when, I, when I hear that, when I watch that, I hear about the God of second chances right there. You know, the ultimate second chance that God offered us was when Jesus died a painful death on the cross, inviting us into a relationship with him. That's the ultimate example of that, isn't it? You know, because humanity came into the world the perfect product of the created, created hand of, a, of, a, of, an almighty, of an almighty God. And then we walked away from God. And people sinned and decided to go their own way. And Jesus came to the world again at the right time and said, I'll offer you a way back to God. And each of us have been offered that way back to God through the sacrifice of Jesus, through the cross of Christ, where Jesus died and took upon himself the sins of the world, the sins of anyone who would who would, who'd be willing to put their trust in him who would be willing to stand at the foot of the cross and declare Jesus Christ as their Lord. And you and I have that opportunity today. 
And I pray that we will recognize the great and the deep and the vast love of God for us today. Let's, let's worship and respond to him this morning.